Hey family, this is Mo Lives on Purpose. My name is Monique Moss, also known as Mo, and I am here to tell you about all the details of how I went from a life of hopelessness to a life full of hope and purpose. And I'm also going to be empowering you to live on purpose mentally, physically, relationally, financially, and most of all, spiritually. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Although we will talk about mental and emotional health from time to time, I want you to know that this podcast does not take the place of actual therapy. I encourage everyone to go and find a therapist that fits your personal needs so that you can do the work that you need to do in order to recover from any mental and emotional trauma, as well as working through all the things that we go through on a day-to-day basis. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Mo Lives on Purpose. I am so grateful for, for you today. I'm so grateful for you tapping in and listening today. Um, I did not do an episode last week and that was because it was a rough week, y'all. Um, so just some perspective of what had been going on with me personally last week and, you know, the situations that kind of led me to decide not to do an episode last week was, um, you know, just juggling work, you know, being super busy at work, um, home and, um, just kind of trying my best to wrap my head around, um, the state of the world right now. So, um, one of the main things that has been going on in, in our world right now is all of these mass shootings that are taking place, um, in just unfathomable, unthinkable places. Like, an elementary school, um, grocery stores, um, you know, places that at some point in our lives were the safest places to be are no longer safe. And so, um, last week in Uvalde, Texas, there were 19 young children, like I think maybe 10, 11 year old kids that, um, and, and three, three, um, adults, three teachers, I believe that were killed at the hands of a 18 year old young man. And, um, that young man was also, he was killed by, um, law enforcement from my understanding and oh like i i i don't even know where to start 
I think this, like, there have been so many mass shootings over the years. Um, School shootings, you know. But I think at an elementary school where there are little kids, young, innocent little kids that are shot and killed, and so many of them, I think it just is one of those situations where it just causes this overall collective trauma for educators, you know, that educate children, you know, all day, every day for, um, parents, um, of people that, you know, of young kids, just uh, really anybody that has a heart, to be honest, like, how can you not be affected by, by this event, this situation? And last week, when I say, like, I think, okay, so I'll just kind of share where I was and what was going on when I first learned of this this shooting. So I was at work. Um, Of course, I've shared with you all before that I'm a therapist, a mental health therapist. So I was at work seeing clients. Funny thing is, (laughs) I was having a, uh, a session with a young lady in middle school and she was sharing with me that she is currently like afraid to go out in public or have interactions with people in public because of the state of the world right now and little did we know Right when we were having that conversation that there were young kids being murdered, like literally at the time of us having that conversation in, you know, a town not too far away from us, you know, in the Houston area. Um, and so I get news alerts um, on my phone. And on my Apple Watch, and I just saw something about Uvalde, Texas, you know, school shooting. And all I could do was, like, roll my eyes and be like, not again, you know. But I didn't dive into the details of it because in that moment, I, you know, I was, you know, on a 10-minute break before my next client was coming in. So I couldn't really look at the details of everything in that moment but then when I got off work I was on you know scrolling through Facebook and all I saw was all of these postings about these children um that had died um and then I think at that point the numbers went from 14 that had died and one teacher and then it turned into 19 children that had died into three teachers, three adults. And 
I think the initial, my initial response to that was like, almost like nothingness, like emotionless, which is weird. But if you think about it, like when you hear the news of, you know, even somebody that you know personally dying, like sometimes you you have this like shock um shock response of like disbelief um i think that's what happened for me was just the shock of it all and as they started to give out more details like i think later on that night and the crazy thing is you know this is going on with in my kids district there's like only two days left of school and I'm like praying like Lord do I even send my kids to school for the rest of this week knowing that you know people do crazy things and like do copycat things or even like put you know threats out there just to scare people and Like, do I even send my kids to school? Like, there's only two days left. Like, you know, that was my thought process. And I think that whole night, like, I boo-hooed. I boo-hooed because, you know, my daughter is a 10th, well, she just finished 10th grade. She's going to 11th grade. My son is starting kindergarten next year. Um, He's currently, you know, in pre-K and, you know, just graduated from pre-K and, you know, is in daycare. And it's like there's this fear, not just with these school shootings, but it's like, you know, not too long ago, we hear the news of, you know, I think there were 10 people that were killed in Buffalo, New York, and most of them were elderly people at a grocery store. And like not to mention, I I don't know, I think just the state of the world right now is so scary. So scary. And it's like I'm I have these children. And I have a husband that that drives over the road. And, you know, I know a lot of people felt the the collective trauma associated with this school shooting. But I, 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 I fear for my children, especially my son. Um, I feel from my husband, like these are, my son is a, a young black boy. My husband is a young black man. And in addition to these things like school shootings and grocery store shootings, movie theater shootings, like all these places that, you know, we all frequent. On top of that, like, um, there was a young man in Houston that was shot and killed by a cop, like within seconds of the cop stepping outside of his car. So not only am 
I'm feeling traumatized by things that have nothing to do with, you know, the black community directly. But there are other things going on that do have to do with the black community. I I was not going to share this other thing that happened, like, more personally. But it just goes to show you, like, all that is going on in our world that is so scary. Um, I want to say maybe a month or two ago, my son asked me, um, what color the bottom of his feet were. Like, I was giving him a bath. He asked me what the color the bottom of his feet were. And I was like, what? And I said, he said, is it white or brown? And I said, well, it's kind of light brown. And I was like, I wonder what made you ask me that, buddy? And he said that this kid at school called him an ugly brownie. Y'all, it was, it took everything out of me not to, like, cry and feel defeated and appear defeated in front of my son. My son is four. Why is my four-year-old son experiencing racism? Why? Like, why is that even... A thing. I don't get it. I I do not get it. And so I've had to have conversations with the daycare um, administration, um, and like pretty much demanding that they, you know, talk to the teachers, keep a watchful eye out for these things, have more lessons about diversity. But my thing is. This kid that said that to my son, this had to have started at home, right? Like, because racism is a learned behavior, <laughs> you know? So, that's just my firm belief. Like, how my son has never asked me anything. And him being one of maybe two, three black kids in his class at the daycare um, has never asked me anything about his color. And me being naive as a first-time mom, um, (laughs) didn't know I had to have conversations about race (laughs) to my my four-year-old son. And that was super disheartening for me. And knowing that he's going into elementary school, prayerfully, you know, it won't be that big of a deal or be something that he continues to deal with. But, like, again, not wanting to continue to be naive or ignorant to the state of, you know, our world as it is that this is probably going to be an ongoing issue. And even if we were to move, (laughs) you know, out of the community that we're in, 
to maybe like one that is more diverse, which that's a whole different conversation. But, um, yeah, like, would that even be something that's helpful to the situation? So, last week was a lot for me. Like, even though this situation with my son happened about a month or so ago, it was just compounded on top of all that is going on in our world. And um, and then, like, gas prices going up, the price of everything going up. And... It's just, it's, it's, all of this stuff is disheartening. And if I have never felt, you know how, so as a Christian, I've always heard ministers and people say, we're living in the last days. And back then, I, to be completely honest, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> that sounds horrible, but true. Like, that was just my mindset. Oh, like. You know, are we really? But now, <laughs> I, I, I'm I a believer that we are most likely, more than likely, living in the last days. Um, Because I think things, like, it all started with COVID and certain... I'm not going to name specific names, but certain like political figures and whatnot, like things that took place over the last, I'll say at least five years, let's say four, four years and more so compounded with the onset of COVID and the continuance of COVID being a, a continuing issue in our world, like it opened my eyes to so much hate and negativity and like things that obviously and morally seem right. And people are like, no, no, that's, that's wrong. You know, that gives me almost a definite confirmation that we are most likely living in the last days. Um, And what makes me believe that, like, reading, um, I'm going to share this scripture with y'all. And I know many of you have probably heard this scripture, but it's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, where it talks about the last days. It said, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Sidebar. It's been real difficult, <laughs> like COVID and um, the price of everything going up. And yeah, so let me continue. The scripture says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, 
having the appearance of godliness, but denying his power. Avoid such people. I don't know if that if if anything else ever has been written that describes exactly what we are experiencing in today's world. Like every single thing in that scripture, like check, 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 you know. Um, so like, what, what do we do in these times? What do we do when every day it feels like a traumatic experience? Like, what do we do? And, um, this kind of brings me to my idea that we can only control what we can control when we when there are states of chaos and the world today is chaotic like almost every freaking day is chaotic um and we can only control what we can control and a lot of times we can only control self and for me over the last week um controlling myself looked like um unplugging and what I mean by unplugging like staying off of social media um reading all these details that are coming out about the shooting from last week at the elementary school um reading all of these um people's comments and opinions like that could be triggering and traumatic in itself because people say some crazy stupid stuff um feeling what I needed to feel last week and this week like as it continues this week um like I said there were a few days that I just I just boohooed you know for those families for those children for my personal household and like the world that we're living in like I had to feel all of that because trying to distract myself completely and not feeling it just I think compounds it and makes it worse so I had to just feel all the feels feel everything um you know and spending time with my family like being intentional with my family was super important and continues to be super important um cherishing the moments that we have with each other is so important um And then the other thing is, like, talking about it with family and friends and, like, people that I can trust and know that, you know, you most likely have the same morals and values and viewpoints as I do, even if there might be some things that vary. But I think gaining support and being and offering support to people that have you know, my same um, values and morals and all of that 
makes it less triggering than going on social media and reading all of these random comments and 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 things like that and um and then too like if you have a therapist you know discuss these issues with your therapist i had several clients over the back past couple of weeks that have like most of their session was about this shooting and how it has affected them you know and so it's okay to talk about those things with your therapist and or your support system um but what are like some other things that we need to do so my personal and this is just really me speaking my personal viewpoint about this whole situation I believe not only is this a, you know, some people are saying, oh, this this kid that went and did this shooting, like, it's always, when people go and do these things, it's always a mental health issue. Um, and that may be completely the case, but I think it's more than just that. And then there are those people that say, oh, no, this is a political, a political issue, and we need to figure out gun control and, you know, all of those things. But what I have rarely heard anybody say is that this is also a spiritual issue. Right? Like, I think things can be, more than one thing can be true at the same time. And I am a firm believer that, like, yes, this is a mental health issue, a political issue, and a spiritual issue, right? Because on the spiritual side of it, like, you have to be, like, pretty, you know, fallen, evil to make a decision to go and harm other people because that's the... The God I serve, like, that's not a godly thing, a godly act, right? And just all these other things that are going on. Again, like this scripture that I just read in Second Timothy, like people being lovers of themselves and whatever seems good, they do the opposite. And having a sense of godliness, but not really being godly, you know, and... That's my viewpoint about the spiritual aspect of it. And so from a spiritual perspective, what do we do? You know, we have to, and I'm speaking for myself as well, we have to stay prayed up. We have to stay in the Word so we're knowledgeable of what is to come. And, you know, we have to um, not only educate our kids about what to do, in these types of situations to protect themselves, but also we need to educate our kids from a spiritual standpoint, right? Like we need to make sure that our kids are, have a relationship with God and are connected to God, like at least instilling that in them. Cause of course, once they get older, they make their own decisions and you would hope that 
you know, as a Christian, they would, you know, embody Christian values, but that's not always the case. But at least instilling that into your kids. And I think that since COVID, I've said this before, I've been so lax in that with my own kids. And we have not been going to church consistently like we were before. And so that is something that I want to be super intentional about um, from this moment forward, making sure that we're going to church more often and that I am talking about spirituality um, and morals and values and connectedness with God um, to my kids. Um, I pray over my kids every day before they get out the the truck. And I was already doing that, um, especially with COVID. Like, I always pray, like, God protect our family from all hurt, harm, danger, and illness. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's a short, quick prayer, but I feel like it encompasses all of the things, you know. Um, I say that prayer over my kids every time they get out the truck. And that prayer hit (laughs) so different last week, dropping my kids off at school after this shooting. Um... But I don't want to just address, simply address the spiritual aspect and what we need to do from a spiritual standpoint. But I do think that this is the time where we as Christians have to stand up and be very adamant about who we are, what we believe, um, you know, and, you know, ministering to people through our actions and how we love and show compassion to other people. I think that's so important in today's world, especially when we are attacked and, um, you know, all of this hatred and stuff is directed towards, towards us. You know, I think we have to display the love of Christ And that's a whole topic of, you know, the, you know, turning the other cheek and being a Christian and and all of that. And versus like standing up for yourself. Um, That's a whole nother conversation. But I do think that it is time for Christians to stand up more than we have ever stood up Um, from a political standpoint and I'm guilty of this myself and that's not really educating myself on who I'm voting for um not to the extent that I believe that I should be doing and so now more so than ever I will be doing that making sure that I'm educating myself about um politicians and policies and things like that and especially if it has to do with gun control and um, things that need to be put in place so that a 18-year-old that is not fully mentally, emotionally developed can go and purchase assault rifles and guns and go and, you know, hurt innocent people. Like, that's just not cool to me. So I think we have to get out there and 
vote, first of all, but not just that, educate ourselves on who and what we're voting on. Um, and now, like the mental health side, Lord, I got a whole, whole like issue with mental health in schools. So, I don't even know where to start. As a former educator and former school counselor, um, and I can only speak from my perspective, but I have heard other school counselors with the same complaint that, you know, we go to school and what they teach us in school is mostly mental health things, you know. Yes, from an educational lens, um, you know, with the idea that you're going to be interacting with children um, and adolescents, but mostly what we learn in, you know, school to become a school counselor is mental health, you know, information. Nowhere in that curriculum do they talk about scheduling Nowhere in they in that curriculum do they talk about, um, and not that I can remember like college and career. Like yes, there are, there is um, college and career. There are career um, therapists, counselors, whatever you want to call it. Um, but that's not a a very broad thing that is taught in a heavy topic that is taught in school to become a school counselor, the master's program to become a school counselor. Um, I think schools, this is my personal belief, schools need to, yes, have those counselors that are responsible for scheduling and that are responsible for um, making sure that kids um, are nurturing their passions and their purpose and all of that so that they can go on to pursue careers that are beneficial to them. Um, yes, like that, there is a need for that. But I think schools have to, have to pour more money into actual counseling in the districts have to and I will say that a lot of districts now are hiring crisis counselors um they're hiring social workers um and things like that and I think that's fine and dandy but what I I a lot of times those crisis counselors are district crisis counselors and so I my concern is Yes, it's a step in the right direction. However, I think on every campus, there needs to be mental health professionals that are there specifically and solely only for mental health, right? For screening of mental health, just like we screen for, um, you know, academic issues, we screen for ADHD on, you know, at schools, we screen, you know, we screen for dyslexia. We do all of these different types of screenings for academic issues. But if you think about it, 
kids are coming to schools with way more issues than academics, right? Like teachers are doing more than just teaching ABC, one, two, three, algebra, history. Like they are watching out for behaviors. They're watching out for all kinds of things, especially now more so in today's society than ever, right? And so it is my firm belief that schools have to fork up the funds to put more mental health professionals on campuses so that, um, you know, there can be more social, emotional learning curriculum and not just curriculum that is purchased and it's like, yeah, we're going to buy into this, but there's usually like no follow through after the first few weeks of it. Like, I think that is total BS, excuse my language, but that just leaves a horrible taste in my mouth where we are, um, you know, districts spend money on, on these curriculum and things like that. Um, but there's no buy-in and there's no follow through and it's, you know, it's it started but it's not finished and yeah i just not a fan of that but i think there need to be more mental health professionals on campus um the other thing that and i don't know what all the laws and stuff like that that would maybe prevent this from happening but like just like we ask Let's say when a kid is enrolling, a new kid is enrolling into the school, we ask, hey, was your kid in special education? Was your kid in, um, you know, 504? Um, Does your kid, is your kid a resident of the state? Like show proof of that. You know, I think another thing that needs to be um, asked when enrolling kids is, has your kid ever been to a mental health facility? an inpatient facility or evaluated for psychological mental health issues. And follow me with this because as a school counselor, there had been so many times where we get a new student. Parents don't tell us nothing when we enroll in the kid, doing their schedule, all this good stuff about any mental health issues. And then Weeks later, when they start displaying certain behaviors um, and they are called into the office because they threatened suicide or whatever, we find out that that kid was hospitalized before they came to our campus. You know, so like things like that, I think are so important for schools to know um, because those things can be you know, we can troubleshoot those issues and be supportive and have the supports in place if that information is known up front. Now, will people be 100% honest? Maybe not, you know, but it's not a hindrance to enrolling, but it is just important information to know. Um, And people may not agree with me on that, but I'm just saying from my perspective, my perspective and my experience as a school counselor, um, One, we got to put more money into mental health 
professionals on each campus and not just regular school counselors that's doing schedules and overwhelmed with paperwork, um, doing 504, doing testing. Don't even get me started on standardized testing um, and the millions and probably billions of dollars that's spent on standardized tests. That's a freaking joke. But anyway, I'm not going to go there. That's a completely different conversation. Like, we have to tap into this, like, at every level, elementary through high school, heck, even in college. Um, I, I, you know, and of course, schools are all about, you know, oh, where are we going to find the funds to have, pay these mental health people professionals on campuses and stuff and my thing is which is more expensive paying mental health professionals that are there to be supportive and actually offer mental health services um or um or even being able to like really recommend and refer to long t- longer term mental health services um and being able to track that you know kids and teens are actually receiving mental health services and whatnot is that more expensive or is it more expensive to pay for the pricelessness of lives lost and the investigations that go along with that and, you know, having to answer to parents and families about why did this happen and how was this even possible um, to happen on their school, you know, their kids' campus. Um, another thing in as far as kind of going back to um, controlling what you can control. Another thing that you can control is asking questions about what are your kids' schools um, doing for safety measures. You know, getting involved and volunteering at the schools and being present and aware of what's going on. Um, if your school has a PTA or a PTSA, um, making sure that you're involved in in conversations and involved in making decisions as far as your school your kids school is concerned cuz you send your kids there your your tax paying dollars are funding these schools and whatnot and you want to make sure that your kid is safe so it's okay for you to ask like what are the protocols when it comes to my kid being in school and active shooters, you know, people coming into the building, like what precautions are being made um, so that this doesn't happen. So I know this is probably one of the longest episodes that I've ever had, but I have been thinking over the past week of how I wanted to address this issue and all that's been going on in our world. And I've had, you know, the week to think about it, and I wanted to kind of share my thoughts, my concerns, um, 
my ideas as far as what we can do to not only love and support and and ensure safety of our household, but also to effect and create change in our world. Um, so that's really all I have to say. If you have any questions or comments about anything that I've said today, um, I would love to hear them. So you are welcome to email me at um, Mo Lives on Purpose at gmail.com. You can also DM me on Instagram, Mo Lives on Purpose. I would be more than happy to to hear from you and to address your questions um, or your comments. So yeah, y'all, um, I am praying for each and every listener. And I'm hoping that in the state of everything that's going on that you have been able to kind of disconnect um stay prayed up stay in your word love on the people that you love (laughs) um take care of yourself you know feel the things that you need to feel if you feel like discouraged upset, anger, whatever it is that you're feeling, feel that, you know, we don't always have to distract ourselves from everything, yes, we, we do need to unplug and disconnect from certain things, just because it becomes too overwhelming and re-traumatizing, but we do need to feel whatever it is that we're feeling, and lean into your support system, whatever that looks like, whether that's therapy, whether that's family and friends, um, and take action. We have to take action. So I love you guys. I hope you all stay blessed, stay well, and have a good one. Please be sure to subscribe and follow my podcast. Also, follow me on Instagram at Mo Lives on Purpose. And then you can also email me with any questions or any feedback that you have for me. And my email address is Mo Lives on Purpose at gmail.com. Thank you guys, and I hope you are blessed and go and live Mo Purposely.